Hey, this is Colby from the Critical Fails Podcast, the humorous talk show where an actor, a teacher, and a writer discuss all the glorious ways we failed game mastering, D&D, and other tabletop RPGs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. I'll be here on the RPG.podcast next week with Tyler, Random, and Randall. Enjoy the show. RPG podcast. This is episode three, our fourth episode. I'm Randall James, your peaceful protagonist, and with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi. Awesome. And Random Pal. Good evening. Awesome, awesome. Tyler, what are we doing today? We're going to talk about meta currencies in tabletop RPGs. Tyler, what is a meta currency? Uh, so, a meta currency is kind of an, a mechanic which exists kind of above your game. So it's a currency that you spend as a game mechanic rather than something that your character could carry around. Gotcha. So so like the, probably the most commonly known example is D&D 5e's inspiration. So it's it's something that you that you as a player as a character have, but your character doesn't know anything about it, but you as the player can choose to spend it to get something. Okay, gotcha. And and other I mean other tabletop games have I don't want to say equivalent to that, but th- there are other meta currencies worth talking about. Oh yeah, tons. Uh, the idea of meta currencies goes back in actually a really long time. Um, one of the oldest examples I know of is from a generic RPG called Savage Worlds. They're called bennies. Basically, you start every session with three of them. You get one for doing something cool, and you spend a benny to do a couple of things. The most common one is just to re-roll dice. You can also spend it to, like, not die and a couple of other important things. There's a lot of, like, very recent examples. Pathfinder 2nd Edition has a system called Hero Points, uh, which are somewhere between Benny's and Inspiration. You can spend a Hero Point to re-roll something. You can also just dump all of your Hero Points to just stabilize while you're dying so you don't die in the middle of a fight, which is really nice. Let's see. So meta currencies have existed in Dungeons and Dragons at least back to third edition. Um, the Unearthed Arcana book published a system called Action Points, which they were kind of similar to Inspiration. Like you could spend a die to re-roll something, but uh, you could also spend the points to do some cool stuff, like use daily class features more often, or apply a meta magic feat to a spell, things like that. And then uh, that system got reprinted. I want to say three or four months later in the original, the very first original setting book for Eberron. So a lot of people mistakenly think that Action Points was originally from Eberron, but Unearthed Arcana beat it to print by four months. Let's see, probably my favorite meta currency is Fantasy Flight Star Wars has a system called Destiny Points, where instead of players accumulating the meta currency, the meta currency is a shared resource between both the players and the DM. The players spend it and essentially flip the meta currency to the DM, who then has to spend it before they get it back. 
and the the initial state of that pool of meta currency is rolled at the beginning of every session so like you might start a session where the dm has all of the meta currency and you have none or the other way around um and that initial roll can do crazy stuff when your game master has to spin the meta currency are they spending the meta currency against you oh absolutely I have been in a game of a uh, Fantasy Flight Star Wars that Tyler ran, and these destiny points could let you do some real crazy stuff. I mean, pull off things that were impossible with straight dice rolls, and, and there's a lot of leeway. And seeing how the GM chooses to spend them back, you know, th- this is one place that has a lot of leeway where the gm can say all right i want this person you're fighting to do something which is really cool and defensive for them so that we make the fight a more dynamic more interesting story than just great you kill them in three rounds looking at you fifth edition (laughs) or if your players are really strong if this is the game you're looking for you can just say yeah um, shoots you it hurts a lot right um and that's you know, while on the one hand, that's not very fun as a story concept, it is a great way to balance if players have just built very strong, optimized characters. And if that's the game you're going for, that's a great way to do it. Okay, I, so I'm, I'm going to get hung up on this because that's actually fascinating to me. So maybe two questions. Strategically, do, do you ever find player characters or, or the players themselves basically saying, nobody spin the meta currency because we've got a monopoly on it right now, and I don't want to give it back to the game master. Yeah, um, the the core rulebooks for Fantasy Flight Star Wars actually call that out as a problem with the system. Like they specifically say, "Hey, your players might just sit on the meta currency so that you can't use it against them, and if they want to do that, that's technically fine. You should tell them not to do that, but technically they're allowed okay. to do." That. Yeah, I mean it makes sense, and in right, it would be up to the scenario, and if. I would say that if they're that afraid to give it back to the game master, maybe the game master needs to reconsider what they're doing with that meta currency. (laughs) Um, So it's kind of a tactical decision sometimes. Like, say you're a bunch of characters, like you're a bunch of uh, plucky Han Solo type characters out in space, and you know this session you're going to meet Darth Vader or some nonsense. You're like, okay, uh, everything's on the line. We're probably going to die. Let's hang on to all of the meta currency that we can get because we're going to need to spend it down all at once to just barely survive. But yes, the the fact that you called that out so quickly, well done. Because uh, usually it takes people a session or two to figure that out just by playing the game. Uh, so for all you listening at home, if you figured that out on your own just as quickly as Randall did, good for you. Nice, nice. And then one more question. Does the, does the available pool scale up? Yes and no. So it's it's a dice roll, and everyone at the table, including the GM, rolls. So each uh, each person at the table rolls a force die, and it's got pips on it, and that's just how many points you get. So bigger pool for a larger party, which just means there's more for everybody okay. to spend. I yeah. got you. So it scales with the number of player characters, but not with like the level of the the characters within the game. Correct. That makes sense. I do. As as a quick aside, I have seen the the dice. I think Random showed me the dice for fantasy flights and i'm i'm just impressed that you could start a session by interpreting that and actually be able to move on 
So yeah, uh, boy, if you're ever gonna play Fantasy Flight Star Wars, uh, and I think their Genesis system uses the same dice. I haven't I haven't gotten to read it yet, so I'm not 100 percent sure. But uh, the best thing you can do just get the official dice roller app it's so much easier because it, it'll organize all your things it'll negate all the stuff it'll read the chicken entrails to you um it's so much easier <laughs> like rolling the physical dice is very satisfying but very confusing okay okay i i will say just to to tack on to that though that w- with those dice i when i did finally get to experience those dice i almost wanted to drag them into every other role-playing system that i'd used because the room that it gives for improvisation and interpretation is so fun. So once you do get used to those dice, actually using them to build a story, amazing. We should do an episode on that because I've seen a lot of people suggest that for a lot of things. And yeah, we could talk about that for a while. Yeah, I mean, that seems that seems real. I feel like it took random about 25 minutes to explain to me how those dice worked. So yeah, that's probably an episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so let's circle back to metacurrencies. So um so inspiration like I said is probably the most prominent example, but a lot of metacurrencies that I've seen work pretty similarly where the GM or DM is responsible for awarding those metacurrencies for doing something. In 5e, it's kind of vague, but it's basically you do something cool. Here's inspiration as a as a basically a high five. Uh, Savage Worlds, it's pretty much the same thing. Like you do something cool and heroic. Cool. Here's a Benny. Pathfinder Second Edition, Hero Points, same thing. You do something smart. You do something heroic. You do something exciting. Here's a point. Uh, but the the problem that I have seen consistently from dungeon masters, like regardless of experience level, like, I'm, I'm sure there are better DMs out in the world than me. I'm 100% convinced of it. But uh, it's really hard to to know when to give them and how frequently. No, just, but before we hop into that, I guess one distinction. So with the Savage World Binnies... And with Pathfinder 2, you also start each session with a bank yes. of them, right? And so, so yeah. maybe that's one key difference is with, versus with Inspiration and 5e. If you had it last session and you never used it, you should be able to carry it over. But, but you aren't guaranteed to get one every time. And if, in fact, if you're playing a long session, and as you said, if, you're, if your Dungeon Master isn't being conscious of that, you might actually go a whole session without ever getting to benefit yeah, uh, Savage Worlds, Bennies are like a really central mechanic of the system. The The dice mechanics are very swingy in Savage Worlds, so the ability to re-roll is really important for like, oh, my character's the world's greatest hacker. I rolled a one to hack this guy's Palm Pilot. Uh, I'm going to spend a Benny and, you know, do the thing my character was built for. So, so you need that pool of Bennies at the beginning of the session for Savage Worlds to make the game work as intended. Um, Pathfinder second edition, you get one hero point guaranteed at the beginning of every session. Um, and the GM is expected to hand out one hero point roughly every hour of gameplay. So like the, the hero points are supposed to come consistently. So you always have them available to use them when you need them. And pretty, pretty reliably, you will have one hero point sitting around that you can spend to not die. Yeah. I mean, I, so we should talk about like dungeon masters not being good at giving out inspiration in 5e. The other half of it is I know like I have a problem as a player character where, you know, I treat it like an elixir in Final Fantasy. 
it's like, ooh, better save this and never use it because surely the next time will be the urgent time when I actually need to have it, right? And one interesting thing about 5th edition in particular is that, um, and I know that we'll touch on this more in a moment, but while there's definitely, I understand the feeling of I have this nice thing, I don't want to use it, all it does is grant you advantage. And there's a lot of other ways to earn advantage on a lot of things. Sure, you know, maybe you want to really hang on to it for that death saving throw, or you want to really hang on to it for that save against the powerful boss spell. But just advantage doesn't feel great when there's a lot of other ways of going about it. Um, and one other thing that I wanted to touch on about the, uh, you know, where you were talking about game masters having a hard time giving this out. I, from both sides, as a player, as a GM, it is hard. And one of the reasons, so going back to what Tyler was talking about with this rule of cool, humans will enjoy novelty. If you describe a very cool way that your character does a thing, it's real easy to say, that was neat, have advantage. And then it feels weird to reward that same thing with inspiration again and that's just a, a problem with trying to use the rule of cool to award this stuff one of the things that i've most enjoyed uh, i was a player in a game where the dm gave each player one inspiration token that they could give during the session as a way to take some of the burden off of the DM who is, you know, running everything behind the screen. That time pun actually intended. <laughs> but, you know, they have a lot of stuff going on. They're not going to think necessarily about inspiration, but the players, they're mostly just there to enjoy the story, right? You know, while they may be thinking about it, they're going to have a much easier time thinking, that was really neat. That was a great bit of roleplay. That was really in character and being able to award something like that. Yeah, I really like the idea of that. Like, I think, uh, right, certain live play podcasts that you listen to, or even like in your own games, I feel like it's pretty common if, if you have the right players that they'll call out like, that was awesome, that was stupid, that was painful, <laughs> but that was awesome. And I think you should reward that with inspiration. So like, as a DM, like encouraging, like, yeah, tell me when you think something's awesome. And if I think you're full of it, then I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, rewarding stuff like that is probably the best way you can award meta currencies. Um, the the fifth edition Dungeon Master's Guide actually does a pretty good job explaining how to handle this. Uh, so if you if you're playing D anD D, go read that. One of the best pieces of, pieces of advice that they give is to use advantage to encourage basically behavior that fits the genre of the game that you're playing. They as an example, they specifically call out, if you're playing a horror game, if the party splits up, give them advantage. Because like that is kind of a classic horror trope where the party separates and like Velma, Scooby, and Shaggy go off one direction and Freddy and Daphne go off the other. So yeah, yeah. advantage, go be spooked. Inspiration. Yeah, that one. Thank you. <laughs> Which, but I mean, right, towards towards Ram's point earlier, what does it ultimately wind up being? It's pay it forward advantage. Pretty much. Hey, you're going to need this later. 
<laughs> Especially if you're splitting the party in a horror game. No, but I, I took you off your train. So you were saying, yeah, like if you're in a horror game and the party splits up, you you give that to them. Uh, you know, if you're, you know, intriguing politics and somebody really engages, you know, the, the bard gets, gets up and gives a great performance to distract while somebody goes and does something like that was a great plan, great execution, inspiration. Yeah, those are all great examples. Um, yeah, just your your general like heroic fantasy, your party does something heroic inspiration uh if you want to play a bunch of murder hobos and somebody uh you know sells their house and murders somebody in the space of five minutes they're now a murder hobo give them inspiration <laughs> yeah it's like i, I was a homeowner brief- briefly <laughs> it's like you've saying the town i give you a house does not fit what we do here <laughs> nice so is uh, I, I guess i want to i want to heckle the the 5e inspiration as you get advantage like is that enough is that right can we do better? Uh, a lot of people are going to say, yeah, uh, my, probably myself included. Um, inspiration feels really good to receive. It doesn't feel great to spend because like advantage on one role usually isn't going to make or break you. And the expectation, again, 5th edition Dungeons Master's Guide explains this a bit, but the, ex- the expectation is you're going to each player will get inspiration once per session, which effectively means if you're playing a session of like a typical four to six hour session, you're going to get inspiration once in that entire session. And you're going to get to use that for advantage once in that entire session. If you even remember that you have it. Wait, tell me if I'm wrong. Technically the rule is before you roll, you have to declare that you're going to use your inspiration and roll with advantage. You can't fail and then say, I want to try one more time. Correct. And even that is just like, I believe in my luck, except for if I'm rolling in roll 20, you know, more than I believe that I, I really have to succeed here. Yeah. And, and even then there's a certain percentage of time, like this is, it's maddening, right? Like, okay, I've avoided, I've avoided, I've avoided. I think I'm finally going to drink my elixir. I rolled a 20 on the first roll. Feels wasted. Yeah. hundred percent. So like super easy you could thing you could change there uh you could just make inspiration allow you to re-roll something so you're you're dying you're at two failures on your death saves and two successes and it's down to the last roll you roll a failure spend your uh spend your inspiration re-roll that of course i mean at that point you'd spend your inspiration anyway to get the advantage on the roll but you take my meaning no but i mean exactly towards that point like i you would rather be able to do the re-roll and so that if you succeed in the first one you take it you succeed on the second one you take it you fail on the third you think you know what let's go ahead and shoot for it yeah um yeah totally i i yeah even just the ability to re-roll like i feel like as as a, a house rule that has a lot of power um another thing right to, to bring up the idea of bardic inspiration it's sitting right there right <laughs> like that would be i think a more interesting mechanic and and let me add that dice roll to any roll. Yeah. And in fact, one of the 3.x mechanics did function that way. Um, there was uh, a meta currency that you got uh, one per level up um, in one of the optional systems that you could spend to add d6s to any d20 roll that you made. Now, this was far less impactful in 3.x where the numbers scaled preposterously and uh, the bonuses were often notably larger than the range possible in a d20 which is 
crazy to think about. But that sort of thing can be really good, although it does take away from one of the most flavorfully thematic things about bards. Bardic inspiration is an incredibly thematic, very unique thing that the bards get. Having that turn into just a standard game mechanic is really sometimes a net loss for bards. One other thing that I've seen inspiration used for, and while it's still just sort of advantage, it is a way to make it feel a bit more interesting for a lot of spellcasters. You can, as an optional rule, spend inspiration to force disadvantage on a roll that an enemy makes. For instance, you know, if like, all right, I'm going to spend my finger of death, right? I absolutely want my this enemy to really suck on the con save. Roll with disadvantage, right? And that helps spellcasters a lot because at higher levels, there aren't many attack roll spells that you can use. And so that's that's one way to keep it relevant. Even that is still just essentially advantage, but that's at least one way to keep it balanced as is. I, I like that. I guess in that situation, if it was an area effect, would you let them enforce disadvantage on everything within the area effect, or would you make them pick one enemy? Ooh. That's a tough call. Depends on the DC. If it's if it's a thirteen, yeah. <laughs> I, I might want to impose some additional cost. If it was for a sorcerer, let's say, all right, if you want to apply this, let's spend two sorcerer points for it as well. Or, you know, some kind of similar, maybe maybe that's your channel for a cleric. Because that by itself is notably more powerful than what it is already, and should come with some cost. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. At, at that point, so the, the heightened spell metamagic in 5e does something pretty similar you pick one target of the spell and they suffer disadvantage on their their save against the spell so allowing you to spend inspiration to get that same effect makes a lot of sense and yeah uh maybe even if you don't have heightened spell you just say yeah okay spend inspiration and two sorcery points go for it yeah, that feels that feels like a good house rule. I want to go back. I want to heckle on the bard thing a little bit. I want to I want to push back against random the argument that you were making. So one thing, right? The bardic inspiration does scale, and I assume with this we would probably limit it. It's always just the plus d six, right? And so there's a little bit of something special even for the bard there. But the other thing is like I'm going to flip it on its head. I'm going to spin it the other way. Bards are so cool; they get to give inspiration on their own without the blessing of the DM. That's pretty exciting, right? Sure is. I like it a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bardic Inspiration is uh, arguably one of the best support features in the game. Um, so they started a D6 for the Bardic Inspiration dice, which is an average of three and a half. Advantage on average is a little bit more than plus three. So right off the bat, mathematically, Bardic Inspiration is already better than Advantage. And it scales up to D12, so it, it nearly doubles in effectiveness. Nice. And, and also with Bardic Inspiration, you don't have to add it to a D20, right? Can't you add it to an attack roll as well? Not by default. Uh, the oh, okay. I believe College of Valor lets you add it to 
oh sorry you said attack roll uh, college of valor lets you add it to damage rolls but you can add it to attack rolls skill checks and saving throw and it, what i meant was a damage roll yeah but yeah you you knew you interpreted <laughs> I, what i was trying to say properly yeah i knew what you meant absolutely so uh i, I want to go back to random suggestion earlier of players awarding uh inspiration so I don't know if other RPGs have that mechanic. Uh, the 5th edition Dungeon Master's Guide does actually suggest that as a variant rule. And honestly, I think it's a really, really good idea. Uh, having extra people at the table deciding what is cool, what is exciting. Yeah, exactly to Random's points. The DM's pretty distracted. They're doing a lot of stuff. You have to be the world. Do you also have to be the judge of what is cool? And I think, Random, I think you mentioned uh, using a physical token as well that you passed around. This is a Christmas present I got for my DM, who was having trouble uh, with giving inspiration, and who actively said that he knew that he was having trouble giving inspiration. Um, On Etsy, got like eight nice little laser-cut and wood-burned discs. And having something physical is both a great way to make the act of giving it more impactful, but also almost more important is that remembering to use it. Like you talked about earlier, just on the TND Beyond character sheet, there's a little square that you can check to say that you have inspiration, which is lovely. I think the, the paper character sheet might have it too. But even so, you're not generally looking at your character sheet once you've spent half a dozen sessions as this character. You mostly know how it works. And really, you're only going to go to the sheet if you're thinking about something weird. In particular, if you're focused on the story, which is really what a lot of role-playing games are meant to be about. They are cooperative storytelling. If you're focused on the story, you're not looking at that little box on your sheet. So having the physical reminder to say, ah, yes, I have this thing that I can spend, turned out to be really helpful for us. Okay. It's cool to hear that that worked out. Yeah, I think I think for in-person games like that would be an awesome thing to have where part part of I think what's powerful there is the idea that like if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Like you have the opportunity per session. So take advantage of it and it doesn't cost you anything to give it away because you're going to give it to, you know, player A or player B. But no matter what, you're going to give it away. So I, I really like the idea of that I'm I'm actually imagining a way too complicated system of doing something like this in a roll 20 <laughs> Where like, if within like 30 seconds, if multiple people hit a, hit a hidden box to say like, I think character A deserves inspiration right now, then they get it. That would be cool. Yeah. We could program that. We can make that work. It'd be, yeah, it'd be, be super easy. Totally yeah. work. I'm going to write a strongly worded, written letter. We'll link to the podcast. They'll understand. They'll listen. <laughs> um, so, so... Another problem that I have with inspiration is actually remembering to use it once you get it. Uh, The game I'm in currently, I have inspiration from, I think, session one, session two, and I think we're on like nine or ten. DM hasn't given out inspiration a whole lot, but boy, I 100% forgot I had it. What do you guys think I could do to remember to actually use my inspiration? I mean, I think even just talking about it at the table, right? I, I feel like that's maybe if if everybody talked about it and everybody brought up when they thought that somebody should get it and like if it just became a common thing that was part of the game, I think the DM's going to do a better job of rewarding it and I think you're going to do a better job of consuming it. That really is. I mean, part of it is just practice. 
particularly for people coming from previous editions where technically speaking yes 3.5 did have meta currencies but not really because the the action points were such a bizarre mechanic and they were largely ignored it it was an optional rule in unearthed arcana so so coming to 5th edition if you don't have that practice then it can absolutely be and you know like any other discipline just getting more used to it if you are in person and can have something nice like a physical reminder that's great if you're not in person then thinking about how am I going to remind myself, you know, if this is, if, given that there is meant to be something like once per session the DM gives it, if you just set yourself a hour reminder, you know, an hour timer saying, think about inspiration. And if you just do that for your first five, 10 sessions of a campaign, that's going to get people thinking about it. And that's going to get people in the practice of, okay, how should I be thinking about this? How should I be thinking about how to get it and spend it? And as a corollary to that, if you are thinking about how to get it, you're going to end up with more of those cool moments that are the highlights of storytelling. I like that idea. Now, uh, one thing that a lot of people forget with 5th edition's inspiration mechanic is it it's a Boolean. You have it or you don't. There's no, like, I have inspiration twice, I have it three times. So if you forget to use it, you could very much find yourself in a situation where like, ah, yes, I already had inspiration from way back when, and uh, I just got it again. It feels like I wasted it. Uh, you did. I what? You did actually waste yeah, it, yes. Yeah, So do you guys think it would be okay to, instead of have it just be like, you have it or you don't, it's a pool like it is in a lot of other RPGs? I mean, it wouldn't be the end of the world. I could imagine setting a cap of two like I'll, I'll give you one mulligan but <laughs> probably ought to burn this especially as written if you just use it as written where it just grants advantage there's no reason not to have as many as you feel like because just advantage already mechanically you can't stack that for a single roll so you can't say i want to spend three inspiration and roll this four times that's already impossible. So if you're not doing any other optional rules, there's kind of no reason not to let it stack. And the worst from a DM perspective, all you're going to have is if somebody stockpiles it for a year, maybe they just have one session where they just go off, just advantage every single rule. And it's great. <laughs> and interestingly, that actually also mirrors real world stories. If you go and look at one of the literal oldest stories of humans, the Odyssey. If you go actual or like read the actual original text of it, sorry, not the Odyssey, I meant the Iliad. There are sections where this is just the the section where Ajax went off. And this is the section where Ajax fans get to really enjoy him cleaving through the battlefield, doing crazy stuff. And that's a good story. Clearly, it's survived for millennia. <laughs> just a few. Right. There's no reason not to have that as long as it's just advantage. And even if you allow for some of the other stuff as well, I would probably be pretty hesitant myself of combining that with the reroll because you don't want things to be rerolled eternally. Now, if you say any single die can be rerolled no more than once, absolutely. Because then it's basically just advantage, but a little bit stronger. Right. Yeah, that's the fix. One hundred percent. Definitely. I and, and I guess maybe a slightly different question. Right. What are? Let's say we allow the reroll. What are you allowing 
as a player character, what are you rerolling? Because I feel like the only time this really matters, 100% matters, is combat. So my experience with my DMs is is typically if it's like I want you to do a perception or maybe an investigation roll, I don't know. If you're doing one of these things, it's uh, everybody's going to roll, somebody's going to succeed. I'm not going to waste my inspiration to re-roll a shitty perception roll. I'm just going to have them tell me that I found the potato, you know. <laughs> but vice versa, like combat, obviously, that's a place where like, okay, you know, I'm I'm a sorcerer. I just used one of my level two spells and I missed. I'm going to re-roll that. Or if you allow the disadvantage roll, I'm going to impose the disadvantage roll uh, ahead of time because I want to make sure that this level two hits. Rerolls are always going to use, or, or rerolls are always going to be used when the stakes are high. Combat is usually when the stakes are high because the consequence of failure in combat is frequently death. If you're looking for a potato in a box, uh, if you don't find the potato, you just don't have a potato. If you're trying to kill someone before he kills you, and you fail, then you're dead. Now, there are non-combat situations where the stakes are really high, like uh, disarming traps, um, social situations, like, ah, yes, uh, the conquering hero has returned from their mighty quest to slay the dragon and has come back to uh, pour out his feelings to the princess, and you roll a persuasion check in front of the whole court and get a natural one, and you're laughed out of town, and your personal legend is ruined. Uh, at that point, you're like, ah, I'm, uh, I'm going to spend inspiration and I'm going to re-roll that to not, to not make an ass of myself. But I guess maybe this is me picking on, on, on my collective DMs or maybe even myself as a DM, right? In that situation, that exact situation. So we just spent an entire arc trying to get me in front of the princess, holding a dragon head, wearing a moose head as a belt buckle. Uh, and I, <laughs> I, I, I pour out my heart except for I roll a one, and so me pouring out my heart sounds really stupid. My DM's going to bail me out of that, right? Do I really need to, do I need to use my inspiration to roll it? Honestly, my DM might bail me out. No. By reminding me, you have inspiration. That would be a great time for your DM to remind you ahead of time to use your inspiration on the high stakes roll. I agree with you. But but you were saying that actually my DM is going to let me fall on my face and let... Break the arc. Oh, as the DM, 100%. Uh, 100%. Okay. Yes. One day we'll do that episode on failure and we'll talk about how interesting and exciting failure can be. But boy, what a conclusion to a story to come back and walk away with nothing. (laughs) Yeah, you you tried to bow. You poked her in the face with a moose antler. Well, you were trying to wear a moose as a a belt buckle. What did you expect? Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> victory yeah the so the dm can't necessarily be responsible for holding your hand reminding you that you have the mechanics sometimes you've got to let players fail sometimes you've got to just let people forget stuff and that's okay that's part of the game too you know and, and i guess maybe that that's oh, maybe this is a whole other session right but the the idea if you know you're on the railroad then these little things maybe aren't as important but yeah that's probably another session <laughs> All right. Yeah, definitely another session. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, I am Randall James. You can find me at AmateurJack.com or at Jack Amateur on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Tyler Campster. You can find me online at RPGBot.net. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at RPGBOTDOTNET because uh, RPGBot was already taken. Uh, I'm Random Health. You won't generally find me on social media, uh, but if you 
investigate places where people play games, you will likely find me as Harlequin or Harlequint. But in general, you're mostly going to find me contributing here to RPG Bot, both in articles and here on the podcast. Awesome. So you can find us anywhere where fine podcasts are sold. Uh, also, please visit us at rpgbot.net, where you can find both the show notes for this podcast, uh, as well as the greater website, which is rpgbot.net. All right, thanks. chicken entrails to you yeah that, that makes sense to me